Hi, everybody. Welcome to the 39th edition of PR Masters podcast series. I'm Mark Stevens, your host, and I'm also managing partner of the Stevens Group, a leading facilitator of mergers and acquisitions in the PR and digital interactive space. The PR Masters podcast honors living legends in our profession, individuals who have made a mark in the world of public relations. We have a very special guest today. He is Peter Finn, who is the founding partner of Finn Partners, a firm that has grown in the past nine years to over $120 million a year in net fee revenues and is a global agency. I've known Peter for a long time, since his days at Reuter Finn, and have worked with him during the formation of Finn Partners. Now, Peter, prior to launching Finn Partners, was the co-CEO of Reuter Finn, and he joined Reuter Finn in 1976, and he's, he played a key role since the 1980s in turning that firm into one of the largest independently-owned public relations firms in the world. But Peter had another vision. He wanted to do it on his own, uh, and he did so by creating and founding Finn Partners, which after nine years is now one of the largest public relations firms in the world. So it's my pleasure to welcome Peter Finn, an old friend, to our PR Masters podcast series today. Peter, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. It's long overdue. Um, now, you founded Finn Partners not that long ago, and yet your current annual net fee revenues exceeds $100 million. What was your vision when you decided to break away from the longtime uh, family business that you were president of, and why was it different than the firm you left? Well, so it's been nine years. In December, it'll be nine years since we announced the launch of Finn Partners. And um, I was co-CEO of my prior agency. I was a 25% owner, uh, owned equally with three sisters. And um, it, it's difficult making decisions when you have co-CEOs and when you have um, equal ownership of, of four different individuals. So the most important thing for me is I, I needed to create a new uh, a situation where I could really make my own decisions and um, grow the agency in the way that I wanted to and run the agency in the way that I wanted to. And um, there were a number of things that were very important to us at the beginning. Uh, there are some core values that these were really uh, things I came up with as sort of instructions to myself. These are the things I wanted to make sure I remembered every day as I uh, ran the agency and grew the agency. Over time, I've shared this with all of our employees, and every new hire uh, receives a two-page letter from me that talks about why I started Finn Partners and what our core values are. Um, and these core values are work hard and play nice, create a best place to work environment, take risks, amaze, make a difference in the world, mm. collaborate, and a commitment to diversity. So again, these were instructions to myself. These are the things that I want to remember every day as I was running Finn Partners. And over time, it's, these have become very important values that everybody in the agency knows about and that we talk about all the time. The commitment to diversity, there's a lot of talk about it now, but this was nine years ago when we started Finn Partners. That was one of our core values. So, you know, you founded the firm and you've never looked back, Peter. Um, and I've had the good fortune of working with you and, and just just looking over your shoulder to see exactly what you were doing and what you were building. And, oh, wow, how impressive, how impressive. So what was the most difficult part of the early days and the first few years? Well, um, you know, 
business is hard work. Uh, business was hard work then. Business is hard work today. You know, running and building a successful business requires um, commitment and focus. And there are always challenges along the way. You know, there were there were challenges early on. Different challenges as things, things evolved, and there continue to be challenges, obviously, today. So, um, I, there's not one thing that I could say was the most difficult for us. It's, it's, it's just a question of staying focused on our core values and uh, working to make some partners the very best it could be. Well, in your previous firm at Reuter, at Reuter Finn, were you involved in um, acquisitions? Was that something that was traditionally done there, or was this a concept you felt that uh, could be the basis for your new organization and and uh, and uh, propel you really into a different stratosphere uh, from the one you came from. Um, I was involved in acquisitions at my prior agency um, in the '90s. I made several acquisitions. I made uh, some aqua hires in the '80s, and that sort of evolved into uh, making acquisitions. And really, a lot of this comes from lessons I earned as I moved into management um, at the agency about why the agency was in the situation it needed. It, it really, there was a need to bring in entrepreneurs. And I, I have enormous respect for people who have built their own uh, agencies, you know, 20, 30-person agencies. That is a very difficult job to do, to start with nothing and then to bring in, you know, client after client and hire the right people and make sure you're doing great work. You know, there are a lot of balls to juggle. And uh, it takes a certain type of person to start an agency and, and make it successful and, and as, enable it to survive and grow. And those are the kinds of people I needed to bring into Finn Partners. Uh, again, I did it some in my prior agency, but there was not agreement within among the owners that it was the right strategy for the firm. So when I launched Finn Partners, I was free to really focus on attracting entrepreneurs in a way that I had not been able to do uh, effectively at my prior agency. So Peter, based on the agreement that you had with your with your with Ruder Finn, uh, you left with a certain level of uh, fee billing. Um, you know, as the company, I guess, was in effect divided in in in, in two yours and and what remained of you know Ruder Finn, uh, and then you took it to the level it is today. So, what was the billing you started with? How many acquisitions have you made uh, since that time? And and what's your current uh, billing level? Well, when we started planning the launch of Finn Partners, I think we were at about $18 million of business that was going to go with us. You know, again, as you said, this was a negotiated separation. When we actually launched, we, launched, we were at about $24 million, and we ended last year with about $119 million. We've made 19 acquisitions uh, around the world and in different specialties. Um, when we started, we were six offices. Today, we're 20 offices. We started with 150 people, and now we're uh, almost 800 people. Good God. Wow, that's incredible. That's incredible. Um, so it, it, what part of your uh, current total revenue base is, 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 uh, is based on uh, organic growth, and what part is based on the acquisitions? You know, I, I don't have an answer to that because I, once once we acquire a firm and merge it into Fin Partners, um, it, 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 in most cases it becomes fully integrated and it's hard to track 
Yeah. Fees are separate. I can say last year was an amazing year for us. Last year we grew 35%, and half of our growth was through acquisitions, and half was organic, just pitching and winning lots of new clients. So when you started Finn Partners, was it your vision to make many acquisitions, or is that something that kind of you know came along as as you as you uh, began your planning and determined you know what 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 you needed that would work the best? You know, I wish I could say that I had a plan to get us to where we are today and beyond when, when I started Finn Partners, but really all I knew was that. I needed to make, be able to make decisions for the firm. I needed to make sure that we were focused on our core values, and I needed to be able to attract entrepreneurs to the firm through acquisitions. And following those um, critical uh, areas of focus has led us to where we are today. So you have obviously uh, uh, made an, uh, all 19 acquisitions, which probably uh, uh, is <coughs> – of a record, you know, for uh, num- the number of acquisitions, you know, among PR agencies. Even I don't think even the holding companies may have, you know, uh, uh, achieved that number. Um, so, given the fact that you have acquired 19 firms uh, with obviously different sets of management, how tough was the integration part? Um, so, the integration has gone extremely well for a couple of reasons. One is that the first conversation I have with the owner of a firm we're considering acquiring is all about our core values. It's about our core values and how we run the agency. Um, So so I make sure that we are aligned uh, from the very beginning. There have been some really terrific firms that have come to me and have been interested in being acquired by us, but I could tell that the – the leadership of that firm was not aligned with our values, and we walked away from those opportunities because it, it wouldn't have worked. So, um, I, I, so there, there are two things that have been critical in making our acquisition successful. One is that we focus on our core values in the first conversation. Two, um, I, I launched Finn Partners with a group of founding managing partners who I had worked with for 20 years or more. These are people who led different offices or were in leadership roles at my prior agency, and they they wanted to stay with me. Whatever I was going to do, that's where they wanted to go. So we, we had very strong uh, bonds between us, all committed to our core values, and um, they have expertise which is different from mine. So um, every time we make an acquisition, one or more of those founding managing partners um, took responsibility for the day-to-day integration of the firms we've, we acquired. Since then, there have been some others who have joined us in leadership positions, some some practice leaders, um, who play a similar role, uh, who, who I work very closely with, are aligned with me on our core values, and play an important role in, in integrating acquired firms. So if I needed to um, manage the integration of each acquired firm myself, it, it couldn't have worked effectively. It just would have been too much to do. But um, we, we have a group of 10 founding managing partners, so we can distribute um, the, the responsibility among uh, different members of the team. That's really been the key to success. So you, you said a few moments ago, Peter, that uh, you, um, you know, when you started Finn Partners with uh, 18 to 24 million, 
um, you weren't quite sure where it would go, and suddenly, you know, I think uh, it, it, it sounds like no one is more surprised than you that you got to like almost 120 million. Um, given that, what do you have? Do you now have, based on, on your experience with uh, both acquisitions and organic growth, and uh, and uh, the distribution of, um, of management responsibilities that you indicated? Do you have a game plan for the next five years? What do you, where do you want to be in the next five years? Yeah, I think I think we're going to be very busy in the five years ahead. So, yeah. so um, we, we have a vision that's evolved for us. You know, we started with our core values, but a more recently a vision that we've um, talked about among our leadership team and among our staff is for Finn Partners to be a world class, best place to work global agency with a heart and a conscience that any major client in key markets around the world consider hiring. Now, I suspect we're the only global PR firm that has in its vision statement that it wants to be an agency with a heart and a conscience. But that is important to us. A lot of people here know that. And I think actually where we've made, you know, we've run the agency in a way that's consistent with that. Um, and also to, to be a best place to work um, agency, that's one of our core values. But to be a global agency that any major client in key markets around the world consider hiring, that's a tall order. That means we have to be very good in a number of different specialties in a lot of places around the world. So we've made good progress, but we honestly have a long way to go. And, you know, I am working on plans to double the size of Finn Partners, you know, whether it's going to take five years or three years or seven years, I don't know. But um, we, we have a lot of work ahead of us, and um, uh, we have ambitious plans. So, Peter, after uh, 19 acquisitions, um, and I imagine uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, you probably would consider some, you know, like uh, number 10 in terms of uh, their effectiveness and, uh, and uh, uh, they're, coming, they're coming through based on your initial – vision of of those firms and maybe down to three, four. Uh, what have you learned, you know, in terms of making acquisitions? What have you, how do you, how have you learned to fine tune uh, the selection process, the vetting process, and ultimately, you know, the integration? So in other words, what have you learned from all of these acquisitions that will enable you to, let us say, make better ones going forward? Well, um, you know, one thing I can say is that it, at the beginning, it was actually hard to find firms to acquire and to convince them that Finn Partners was a place they wanted to be, that they wanted to become part of Finn Partners. Um, but that has dramatically changed. I, I, I am flooded with um, inquiries, uh, either by CEOs of uh, uh, smaller agencies or by their advisors, who are interested in, in um, having Finn Partners acquire the firm. I, I mean, I, I can't say for sure how many of these I receive a year, but I would say maybe it's 40, maybe more than 40 a year. Um, so we're in a position to be very selective about which ones we move forward with. And um, the, the priorities for us are, first of all, we've got to make sure that it's a cultural fit. Um, in addition to that, my goal is to either enter a new uh, practice area that we feel is strategically important or strengthen an existing practice area. Plus, uh, we, we look at opportunities to build market share where we have an existing office or to enter a new geography that we think is strategically important. So 
most of the 40 or so acquisition opportunities that come my way, I turn away quickly. Um, I, I select the few that, that seem like a fit for us, given those criteria. And then I, you know, engage in discussions and, and determine which ones really are going to work from a financial point of view and, you know, that, that um, end up being the firms we acquire. You know, we, we, we did, I think last year, I think we made five acquisitions last year. Um, we had two lined up for this year, but we have postponed those till the spring because of COVID-19. Um, but uh, we have we have additional acquisitions um, that that we're lining up for next year. I think next year will be a very busy year for us. So, given the fact that the, uh, you uh, indicated that uh, firms were a, a little bit wary uh, initially, you know, when you first uh, uh, formed Fin Partners to be acquired, and now you've got like forty or so that uh, reach out to you. Um, just putting putting uh, you know the, the the hat on their heads for the moment. The principles of firms who are interested in being acquired. Why do they want to be acquired? Why do why do firms come to you, uh, Peter? Well, I think that there are two things that um, firms find very attractive when they talk to us. One is our culture and our core values. I mean, either to fit or it's not. Um, are, you know, one of the things we do is we're, we're selective about clients we work with. We will not take on a client that we feel will damage our reputation. So when I when I tell the owners of firms that that's important to us and we won't work for tobacco companies, we won't work, you know, on programs helping companies fight against environmental groups, and there's a whole list of things that we feel are not a fit for same partners, sometimes the agency says, okay, well, maybe that doesn't work for me, so I'm not the right agency. But others feel actually very good about that. So our core values are very attractive, and, and I, we're, we, we are a good home for entrepreneurs. Again, I, I have huge respect for entrepreneurs, and I think that they, they um, feel that this is an environment that's very friendly for them. Um, but the other thing is they, they have all of a sudden, once they join us, they have access to very significant resources that they did not have access to on their own. You know, we, have, we have a very strong um, integrated marketing, digital marketing team uh, globally. It's um, probably about 120 people. And um, we have success story after success story where um, um, agencies have an important client they've been working with but have not been able to offer those services. And then after joining us, they can offer those services, and it turns into you know, a win-win for everybody, a win for fin partners, a win for the client, and a win for the person who sold their agency to Finn Partners. So, so it's access to more resources, whether it's our integrated marketing capabilities or our global footprint, uh, and then the culture and our values. Well, speaking of culture and values, obviously, uh, when you uh, use the terms heart and conscience, I, I think that uh, rings a bell. You know, for many, uh, you know, smaller PR agencies out there who are looking uh, to determine what their future will be, and um, and culture. Uh, is something obviously very important to these uh, uh, prospective uh, sellers. Uh, I can obviously tell you that from my own experience in, in being in this uh, industry. Um, and I guess as part of it, your firm has received you. You've gotten many. <clears throat> excuse me. Your firm has gotten many awards and and a lot of recognition for the workplace environment you've created. I know you're proud of those. Um, and this includes a focus on diversity and inclusion. You created a DI. 
Y program. Tell us about it, would you? And tell us about other employee initiatives that you're uh, you're you're really proud of. Well, um, a commitment to diversity, as I mentioned, uh, is very important to us at the beginning, uh, from the beginning, so almost nine years now. Um, this year, of course, uh, it's taken on a higher priority for everybody, and we've we've decided to increase our commitment in this area. Um, I think the Census Bureau publishes uh, some statistics on um, the percentage of uh uh, people in the PR industry who are non-white, and I believe it's um, 11 or 12 percent. Um, our staff in the U.S. is uh, uh, 22, 22 or 23 percent non-white. So we're we're far ahead of the industry overall. There are other agencies that are equal to us, and there are even a few uh, uh, agencies that are, are ahead of us in this regard. But it's something that we're focused on. And this year, there are a couple of things we did. One, we uh, formed a new DEI committee, uh, which we started um, in the early part of the summer. And we announced it to the entire staff and invited anybody on our staff who was interested to join it. And to my amazement, we have 90 people from our staff who have joined our DEI committee. Uh, the committee uh, meets twice a week. Um, and uh, I'm sorry, it's every other week, uh, but there are subcommittees, and the subcommittees meet more, more frequently. So um, the 90 people are broken up into different subcommittees, and there are three subcommittees, one focused on inclusion and employee engagement, two on recruitment, education, and mentorship, and the third on civic <clears throat> engagement and volunteerism. And they have a very... Um, robust program that they are developing, and there there are things that we've done already, things that we're we're about to launch. Um, so it's it's something that um, we're, we're taking very seriously. We ha we have made a commitment to incre increase our uh, diverse staff to thirty percent from from our current levels by twenty twenty three. That's uh, ambitious plan, and we want to uh, increase uh, diversity at all levels, from our most senior to our most junior. Um, so that's something that the, the, the uh, DEI committee is working on day in, day out. Other new initiatives that we've um, launched or been launched by the DEI committee is we have a new matching donation program. So any member of our staff, the DEI committee came up with a list of 20 not-for-profits who are focused on um, DEI, and uh, any of our employees who make a donation uh, we match those da donations up to a, a cap of $25,000 per year. Wow. We're investing in third-party training program uh, mm -hmm. so that our all of our employees uh, can become more sensitive to DEI issues and, and what it looks like within FIN partners uh, as well as in the world around us. Uh, we're launching a new confidential feedback platform for staff members to be able to report confidentially, anonymously, any uh, DEI-related issues that they're observing in the workplace. Uh, we're planning to create an employee support group, and we have, uh, we're expanding our internship and scholarship program. We, we current for, for uh, aimed at supporting um, students at historically black colleges and universities. We, ha uh, we have a, an, a um, scholarship program already. We have two scholarships we give every year. Uh, in New York, and we're going to be expanding that to um, uh, more more uh, uh, universities, colleges around the country. So these are some of the key things we're doing in that area, and it, it um, 
as I said, the, the DEI committee is, is meeting regularly and pushing these programs forward and coming back to us with recommendations on additional steps we should be taking. You know, Peter, it, it occurs to me that a lot of out there talk about the importance of diversity and inclusion, but really aren't taking the kinds of steps that, that you are. You know, uh, another way of putting it is you're putting your money where your mouth is, you know, almost literally. Um, where, where do you think that uh, these employees will come from? I mean, uh, what avenues are, are you uh, looking at in, in order to increase that number to, to 30% in, in by 2023? Well, there are some um, recruiting sources, uh, websites and recruitment firms that specialize in um, candidates of color. Uh, we're going to be advertising on some of those sites and working with some of those firms. And then also at the entry level, you know, every I believe that every student who has received a scholarship from us, and they've all been students of color, uh, they get an internship program. Uh, participate in the internship with us, paid internship, while they're in school, and then I believe we've hired every one of them at the end of the, uh, when they graduate. So uh, we'll be uh, recruiting some from uh, the historically black uh, colleges, universities, and other um, minority supporting institutions, um, but also working with the, the, the different websites and uh, recruiting firms that specialize in this area. You know, Peter, uh, as a footnote to this uh, this uh, conversation, uh, I know that uh, uh, Finn Partners bestows uh, several scholarships uh, uh, for students at uh, CCNY, the City College of New York, uh, as do I. You know, uh, I have one, I know, and um, I'm, I'm familiar with the fact that your dad uh, is a uh, graduate of City College of New York, as am I also. So... I guess we have that in common, uh, a great love for that particular college where both your dad and I d did go to school, our, our undergraduate years. Um, are you uh, uh, involved in, personally in the selection of students at City College? Um, I'm not. There's a, a committee here that reviews the applications and, and makes a selection. I, I think I'll be reviewing their recommendations, but I'm going to just go with the recommendations made by the people involved. So I, I'm, not, I'm not really actively involved. One, one of our scholarship is named after my father um, in his, in, to honor him. Um, so and the other scholarship actually is named after Richard Funes, who is one of our founding managing partners and decided to retire over the summer. So, um, and, and our commitment to DEI was very important to Richard. He was very active in that area for us. So that's why we decided to name uh, uh, the second scholarship after him. Very, I'm very fond of Richard, and, and I, I hope he's doing well in whatever whatever he uh, is now doing in his post Finn Partners career. But I'm sure right. you call upon his wisdom from time to time, right? Uh, he and I, old, he and I have stayed in touch. Pros never died, right? They just they they don't fade away either. <laughs> right. Richard and I worked together for a long time. I think it was. Uh, Approaching 25 years, um, and I depended heavily on him. He did a great job for the firm, and uh, he and I will definitely stay in touch. Yeah. So, Peter, switching the subject for a moment, uh, how has public relations changed since you got into it? Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I do understand that you've been in it a long time, and, uh, 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 and, and but that leads me to an earlier question. Uh, why did you decide on, obviously, your dad, you know, uh, had – 
uh, founded one of the most uh, prestigious and uh, an enduring public relations firm in the business, uh, Ruderfin. Um, and uh, I guess at some point, uh, you know, your your sisters and and you got in got into the family business. What made you decide to get into that in, 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 instead of doing something else earlier in your life? Well, it's actually a very funny story. I was um, pursuing a career in academics. I got a master's in literature, in English literature, from Columbia. I'd gone to Brown for undergraduate. And there was really a glut of um, people who got into academics. And people I knew who were finishing their PhDs at Columbia were <clears throat> lucky if they would get a you know one-year assistant professor position at a junior college in the South somewhere. And I said to myself, God, is that really what I want to do? So <clears throat> um, I, I wasn't sure what, what to do, but I was inclined not to continue with, with uh, my studies, not to get a PhD. I thought about working in the bookstore because I, I love books. Okay. But my father, my father mentioned to me that there was a position open as a re, an interviewer in the research department. Now, I, I should mention, my father had always told me and my three sisters that family businesses were not a good idea and that we should not even think about going into business with him. Um, <clears throat> and then here it was, you know, I was just finished my master's and he mentioned this interviewer position. So I said to him, you know, I don't know what else I'm going to do. So <clears throat> let me let me take that position if it's available to me. But you and I have to agree <clears throat> that after a year I'm going to leave. And he said, fine, whatever you want. So uh, that was um, in uh, 1977. Um, I had worked part time uh, while I was in graduate school at Ruder and Finn. Uh, but in, in 77, I joined full-time as an interviewer. It was a three-person research department. There was a research director, me as the interviewer and the secretary. <clears throat> and six months later, the, the research director left. So, <laughs> so one, year, one year came and went, and I ended up uh, taking over the research department, built it into a very significant business. You know, in those days, uh, PR firms were much smaller. I think that Ruder and Finn may, may have had, I don't know, 150, 200 employees. And my research department and my research business called Research and Forecast ended up with about 30 employees. So we, we ended up becoming a significant part of the business, a significant generator of profits. Um, and, and so that's the story of how I ended up, you know, I ended up moving from the research business into Ruder Finn. Uh, in the early 80s, when the, the company ran into some financial difficulties, and I offered to help my father sort them out, and um, I, I told my colleagues in the research company that I, I would they would have to cover for me. I was going to be doing something else for a period of time, and I never went back to the research business. I, I ended up I saw solved the financial problems with my father, and my father and I were very close. We we always got along well. So he was. You know, not only my father, but he was my my mentor, my business partner, and really my best friend. We we, we always saw eye to eye and, and worked well together. So, for you you folks out there who are not familiar with uh, Peter's father, we're talking about David Finn, who is a a legend in his own right in the public relations world. Uh, David uh, is the co-founder of Ruder Finn, 
and uh, the person who, uh, I guess, inspired Peter to change his direction in life and to pursue a career uh, within <clears throat> within the family mm-hmm. business. And uh, now, about being so successful in his own venture, uh, and never looked back. So, are you sorry that you never looked back, Peter? Not, not at all. No, <laughs> honestly. You know, while there have been certainly some bumps in the road, I, I really wouldn't change anything uh, that in my history. Each step took me to where I am today. I'm very happy with where I am today. And if if things were changed in the past, I don't know that I would be where I am today. So I, I, I'm very happy with the path I've taken. So, Peter, you've been in, in the industry a long time now, uh, as have I. And so tell me what your view is about how – how has public relations changed uh, in all the years that you've been uh, in it? Where are we now? Well, it's it's really all about uh, mm. speed, speed and and reach. Um, you know, when when I started in the industry, and Art, you'll remember this. I mean, we were all typing everything on typewriters, and right. um, computers for for our business didn't exist. Um, the the IBM PC came out in I think it was eighty one. I bought one of the first ones and was involved in um, converting my last agency over to um, uh, new technology. You know, it's not new technology today. Everybody yeah. in the world has it. But, yeah. but you know, it, it really did change uh, the way we worked. And then, of course, when the Internet came along, it's just the world has changed so dramatically. And it's all about speed and reach. You know, we can do things so much faster than we used to be able to. We can reach much further globally. And, of course, the size of the industry has changed significantly. The largest PR firms in the 70s were, as I said, a couple hundred people. Uh, and today, you know, the largest firm is 5,000 people. Uh, so it's become much more of a global industry and uh, com- completely different from what it was when, when I started. So what's your advice, uh, Peter, to people who are entering the communications industry today? How can they get a foot in the door? Well, it, it is tough to get a foot in the door. Um, there are a lot, of, a lot of people who want to enter our industry. I, I would just say be persistent, uh, and then once you get started, um, work hard and play nice. Uh, if you, uh, you know, Some people think you have to be ruthless to get ahead in business. I have never believed in that. I believe that that's bad karma. And it will, you know, you'll you'll pay for it. So my advice is um, work hard, um, be smart, and play nice. Well, you know, of course, I can vouch for the, for for what you're saying because you are really you are one of my favorite people in the world. You know, uh, uh, you are a good-hearted person, and uh, your interests are always in making sure that people rise to the to the top level that they're capable of rising to uh, and excuse me and with a heart and a conscience so uh, with all that uh, peter and i don't mean to embarrass you when i say that but uh, it is true you you do volunteer a lot of your time to other organizations and causes how do you find time to do it and why is it important to you you know my, my father used to say that time is elastic he said if you he always used to say to me if you want to get something done ask a busy person because they know how to get things done. So <clears throat> so I, I, I do work hard. I have a lot of uh, balls in the air at any given time. But um, I, I, it's usually possible to squeeze one, squeeze one more thing in. Do you think that the, uh, the current cur- uh, 
coronavirus crisis will change public relations as we know it today. People working from home more so, remotely, or other other factors that have come about as a result of the virus? Well, I think it, it's changing the business world, I don't, not just public relations. I think that, you know, when I would, um, in the past, when I would talk to a firm that we were thinking of acquiring, if they were, um, I, I would always uh, be concerned about where they were locating. If it was a virtual agency, I was skeptical of that. But those days are gone. I mean, I think that, you know, it's honestly astonishing to me how well we have done during this period where we went from having 20 offices to almost 800 offices because all of our U.S. offices have been closed since the middle of March. People have been working from home. Um, and overseas, the situation is very, you know, closed, open for a brief period of time, closed again, partially open. Um, but um, I think that's that's a change that's taken place not only in the public relations business but in business overall. And I think that it, that's going to be a permanent change. There are going to be a lot more people working remotely throughout the business world uh, long term. And it, and it works. I mean, we, we are finding that we can continue to do great work for clients. And we are. I, I didn't know whether we'd be able to pitch and win new clients, but we have been. We've, we've won quite a few clients over the past eight months. So... Um, I do think that uh, the world will be more virtual than ever before. Does this uh, change your view about <clears throat> bricks and mortar? Because you, you have some beautiful space on East 57th Street in Manhattan. Uh, does that affect your thinking about the future of commercial office space? Well, we're always going to have uh, physical offices in, in each of our key markets. But we may not need such large offices. So we, we may downsize. Uh, the, the configuration of the space may be different, you know, more set up for for meetings and fewer private offices. So we're not sure we're evaluating that now. But I, I do think that it's likely that the office space needs will be different. But but we will always have fiscal offices in key markets. Peter, I, I'm uh, uh, I've just I've got a few more questions for you. I, I'm I want to be conscious of your time. Um, first of all, given the, the use of your time, what, what do you consider your management style to be? And tell us about a typical day at the office, so that, that is when you went to an office, or even a typical day now from your home office. Well, my, my management style is collaborative. I, I depend upon others to um, take, you know, take on different parts of management responsibility. I know, I know I, there are many things that I can't do. Certain things I'm good at. Other things I'm not good at. I recognize that I'm not good at. So I work with others who are good in the areas that I'm not good. And uh, so I, I very much depend upon them to take care of, you know, the parts of the business that I cannot uh, really contribute effectively to. Um, and uh, what is a typical day? Uh, well, these days, a typical day consists of many Zoom calls. Um, and uh, I, I think that uh, you know, it used to be some meetings, uh, but we, we always had uh, uh, video conferencing, and uh, several of our founding managing partners are outside of New York, and we, we meet every week. So video conferencing has always been important to us, but now it's, it's you know, completely transformed how we interact with each other, and I think that won't change. I think that um, Zoom is a great tool for us. I, I, without it, I, it would be very difficult for me to do my job now. And I think that, that I, I will be um, 
on Zoom calls, I think, for a long time to come in the future. <laughs> Unless there's a newer technology that comes along somehow. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Peter, who are your heroes? It's uh, a good question. Um, you know, probably the only person I could say is my father. As I said, he was not only my father, but my mentor and my best friend. I learned a lot from him. And I think that um, our core values really grow out of what was important to him, too. Um, so that probably David Finn is the only person I could say is my hero. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. You you are so busy that the next question may be, uh, you know, just purely academic, but I'll ask it anyway. Do you have any hobbies? Uh, how do you like to spend your time when you're not working? I do. Uh, I do have, well, I don't know if hobby is the right word, but I mentioned earlier that, that I love books. Um, I'm an avid reader. I spend my weekends uh, as much as possible reading novels. And um, right now I'm reading um a novel by Dickens, but I read oh. uh, contemporary novels and historic novels. Uh, I read a lot, and so one of my favorite things to do. So I have one final question for you, Peter, and that is where do you see Peter Finn in the years ahead? Uh, well, um, to the extent I have anything to say about it, because, you know, none of us knows what's uh, in store for us, um, I, I expect to be uh, doing the same thing I'm doing now and on Zoom calls every day for a long time. I love what I'm doing, and I would like to continue to do it uh, as long as I possibly can, at least for another 10 years. That's wonderful. Okay. Well, Peter Finn, founding partner and uh, CEO of Finn Partners, I thank you so much for joining us today on the PR Masters podcast series. Uh I'm grateful that you are, were able to give us the time that you did, and I wish you continued success. And uh, uh, our listeners will agree with me that you truly are uh, a legend in the public relations industry, given what you've accomplished in the last nine years. So thank you for joining us, Peter. All right, thank you, Art. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I'd like to thank all of you joining us today, and uh, hope you will join us again for our next PR podcast series. Please tune in to... Uh, PR Masters podcast series, and you will hear the words of wisdom of so many of our PR masters in the industry. So until next time, I am Art Stevens, wishing you all the very best.